He's blunt, but he's fair. This is Drew Berquist, former counterterrorism officer, realist, and host of This Is My Show, which starts now. All right, folks, here we go. Last show of the week. Damn glad to be with you. I'm Drew Berquist. This is my show. And let me just tell you right now, things might get a little feisty today. They just might. Just feels like that kind of a day. Disco, how are you doing today? Before I get all doing good, I I, I know where the frustration and everything's going to come from. Yeah. And just know that, you know, we're here. We love and support you. And we stand by, I stand behind you, I know, once we get going on all this, but. Um, but no, doing good. Just it's it's a nice cold day here in Santa Fe. I can't wait to get back to the east by the beach. To the beach, beach life, baby. Red Beach Studios opening up in May. It's not like opening up that you can come. We're not we're not big on inviting people to the studios, but we do love all of you. Um, we do love all of you. We're grateful for you being here. Please hit that like button on the way in today, whichever platform you're on. We got a lot to get to. A lot to get to. We have another Clinton associate dead. And I'm not laughing because someone died. I'm just laughing because the Clinton body count just keeps going up. We'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, there's another story. There's another that already has me pissed off thinking about it that will enrage you regarding the death of 13 service members in Kabul. And then Ron DeSantis. We'll finish up with this if we can if we can get to it and I don't lose my shit in between now and then. Ron DeSantis just keeps slaying it. And he's talking about, you know, what the left continues to call the don't say gay bill and how he's banning books as if he's Hitler and all this. Th- Stop it. Stop it. That's insanity. We'll talk about it. We're going to show some stuff from his speech. Then over on Booze and Banter today, I've already started. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but, but over on Booze and Banter, we're going to get into some COVID stuff. We'll get into some stuff that's not very YouTube friendly. So that's why it's going to be on Booze and Banter. Jim Jordan Went crazy, went ape shit on Dr. Fauci. It was awesome. Christopher Ray, the director of FBI, talked about how the FBI knew as recent as 2021, probably before, if we're being honest, but 2021, that COVID came from a lab. That Those were his words, YouTube. Don't, don't yell at me. And then also, um, Dr. Red, you know, Redfield's sharing some stuff. There's plenty of other stuff we're going to get into. That's all going to be over on Red Voice Media, guys. You go to redvoicemedia.com forward slash drew crew if the link is in the chat i'll put it in there again when we've got that image up but that's where we're going to be you can try it for a dollar come have a drink with us bring your questions let's get into some saucy stuff that we can't do on youtube and some of the other platforms that'll be today right after the show 5 p.m eastern come on over against redvoicemedia.com forward slash drew crew or you can use if you just are on the site promo code drew all right so should we get into this clinton stuff i think i think we should why not? I mean, it, the I saw this last night and actually I laughed, not because someone died, right, but because of the words that are about to come out of your mouth and how they died. <laughs> like, oh, that's not nefarious at all. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. So the Clinton family body count can add one more to their tally because you had former Clinton lawyer Dana Hyde, who died last week on a private jet that had to be diverted from Boston Logan airport. And it was reported that the plane experienced extreme turbulence or according to some severe turbulence, whichever descriptor you want to use, which resulted in the death of Hyde. Hey, God bless America. Hey, to all of you guys coming in. But strangely, so Dana Hyde dies of severe, severe, again, not laughing at her, but died of severe turbulence on the plane Four other people that were on the flight, the only other four, by the way, did not die. They didn't suffer any injuries. The plane landed safely. No big deal, right? And the majority majority of us who who have flown, we've been on flights, whether you fly a lot or you fly a little, you've probably at least once hit a pocket of turbulence, right? Disco, you've hit turbulence a good amount of the time. Oh, a hundred percent. And then, I mean, I've I've been on you know the biggest planes that you could be on, even to the smallest like Cessnas, and they've experienced bad turbulence, but yeah. not enough to where obviously I'm still alive now. Yeah, you didn't so die. It, you didn't die from. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna share some stats, by the way. If you're like, well, but you just stop. I'm gonna share some stats with you here in a little bit. But 
it is. I mean, it can be jarring, right? You, yeah. It's, oh. it's not come. I I remember one. I remember one flight, and I was. I remember it in particular because there was a girl. There's not many of us. We're leaving Erbil, Iraq, and we're flying. Um, I probably to to Germany. I forget where we were flying. We're flying back on a commercial flight, and literally our plane did like one of these. Like it was <laughs> it was the craziest one I've ever experienced. But the girl across the way, and we had our food served by the way, so that didn't end well for a lot of people. But the girl, I, if, if we weren't coming from Iraq, I would have said it was Mila Kunis. She looked just like it. Just like her, I should say. Not, not it. Um, gorgeous Iraqi woman. Um, I was able to console No, I didn't console her. Um, everyone just was, was, was freaked out. But it can be jarring. It can be crazy. And especially if you're dozing off and then it happens, right? Because it just, bang, it hits you and, and, and you're very much awake. But the... <laughs> What just happened? The, the pilot comes on. In some cases, that's good, folks, because some of you guys are snoring. Some of you are drooling when you're flying, and you just don't know it, and we're glad that you've been jarred awake. But usually the pilot comes on, reassures people, the passengers that are on the, the flight, that they're looking for smoother air, that everything's going to be fine, like, right? It's just going to last for a couple more minutes, and then, you, and then you'll be out of it. It's very uncommon for someone to actually die during and because of a turbulent flight. In fact, according to the FAA, from 2009 until 2018, turbulence caused an average of 44 injuries per year to passengers and crew on commercial flights in the United States. There was zero fatalities. Again, that's an important number in that nine-year stretch. Zero fatalities. There's 16, just as, as some perspective for this. There's 16 million, excuse me, 100, there's more than that. I, I said 16 um, for something else earlier, 16 million domestic flights a year. But that's, that's over the course of this span of the study, 2009 to 2018, 160 million flights. And the amount of deaths caused by turbulence during that window, during those 160 million flights, is zero. That's, that's mm. an incredible stat. So the odds, anything can happen. You could win the lotto tomorrow, and if you do, please dump it into our production. But the odds that Dana Hyde was killed by freak turbulence are not only astronomical, but the odds, according to the studies that are out there, are literally non-existent. The, literally, that's deaths, right? Just, just the odds of people getting injured on a turbulent flight are extremely low. 44 people over the course of 160 million flights that were just injured. God bless America on YouTube. Did he have a rope around his neck hanging out the back of the plane? <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to talk to one of the four survivors or, the, or the, the crew on the plane who all, again, were totally fine, landed safely. I'd love to get their perspective on this. But those, those numbers, all these numbers, are the odds are crazy low. And that, that number, those numbers only in, include the number of flights, right? 160 million flights during that window of time. It's not taking into consideration the total number of passengers, which would be astronomically higher. You'd break your damn calculator. You know, there's actually, I was funny that you were talking about, like, was he hanging outside the plane? I read an article last night that back in 1991, I think it was, there was a 747 flying, and they were about uh, halfway through their flight and the windshield like the pilot side windshield popped out mid-flight and the pilot just it just so happened that a steward like a male stewardess was walking through the door the pilot gets sucked out and the stewardess holds the legs of the pilot and the pilot's just flapping on the plane co-pilot does an emergency landing the pilot lit, survived by the way just lost function in his left eye because of frostbite that was it other than that but your life. Fine. I mean, that sucks. But, but yeah, your but, life. But for it was like for 25 minutes, the the cap the, the pilot captain the pilot is just banging on the side of the thing while the steward is holding holding him by the legs, and it's just an incredible story. But they're even so even still then with God bless America, probably the the lawyer would have survived it probably because a pilot survived it. You know, <laughs> right? And he was halfway out the plane. Uh, I mean. Yeah. So if you're keeping score at home, I don't know if you guys have tally sheets or what. I don't know what you do there. But in the last two weeks, we've obviously there's a longer stretch of time going back with the Clintons. But 
in the last two weeks, we've learned that a Clinton White House staffer committed suicide with an invisible shotgun. You had a Clinton mega donor kill himself in New York City. And now a former Clinton staffer has died in the most freakish of all freak accidents. In fact, it's such a freak accident that it has not occurred in the last 10 years of domestic aviation in the United States. That invisible shotgun thing made me spit LaCroix out my nose, just so you know. (laughs) Good. You know, we're we're, we're doing our job here on the show. But, I mean, honestly, all all I can say with, with this in this particular story is be prepared for the story to go away as quickly as it came. The news blackout on this particular instance, the story of Dana Hyde and her death, has already started. People are just taking the word, as they always do, sadly, of the enemy class. That a person dying from turbulence, totally normal cause of death. Yeah, of course she did. It's turbulence. No. Look at the stats. That shit doesn't happen. It's a real shame that we don't have an honest media that takes the time to look into dubious claims like this made by permanent Washington and their communist enablers. Fortunately, there's a few journalists left in America. I'm not saying we are. I don't, I don't ever call me a journalist. I'll punch you straight in the mouth. But there's a few who aren't afraid to take on the enemy class and push for the truth. But you've really got to search those ones out. Like, it's, that's, that's hard work. That's, like, the hardest thing you've ever done, finding them. Now, if there was, like, an underlining medical history that she, you know, that this lawyer had, everything, I, I, I'd get it. Like, oh, you know, the turbulence caused you know a clot to throw and then died or a heart attack or something i would get that i'd understand it but just death of turbulence right there could again i'm not saying it's not possible despite the facts despite the stats and all the evidence i'm not saying it's not possible but but we're not hearing that we haven't you know we haven't seen anything it's instead just been silence and, and my guess is we're never going to know anything based on how this, this works and how it works, particularly with regards to the Clintons. We're not going to know how Dana Hyde was really killed. Her death will be shrouded in this, you know, cloak of secrecy, just like the death of former Commerce Secretary Ron Brown in 1996. I don't know if you guys remember that. He was killed on a C-130, a plane crash. He was on a C-130 in Croatia along with 34 others. But you know what's interesting? is he died in this plane crash, but during his autopsy, the medical examiner came across what appeared to be a bullet hole in the back of Ron's skull. Oh, interesting. Was that there before? (laughs) They immediately said that it was a mistake and the file was closed. Bottom line, the truth is reserved for the enemy class because if the peasants, that's you, that's me, actually learn the truth, then guess what happens? The enemy class dissolves. They can't live in a world where the truth exists. It's crazy. This story is crazy. Again, I'm not saying without a shout of a doubt that is 100% the Clintons. I'm saying that it's very odd that it's the Clintons, that there's no information, and that in the last 10, now 13, oh, no, no, more than that, excuse me, the last 15 years of aviation, no one has died of extreme turbulence. It's just a little bit, a little bit off. And then also too, like let's just let's just say the Clintons, their hands are clean from all of these things. Then it's like, well, these are just bad people to be around because bad luck follows everyone that they're associated with, and they end up dying. Right. Like, like I, you know what? I think I should go work for the Clintons. I don't think you should. <laughs> you know, like I, I, it's it's one of those things where it's it, the that would, would just speak for itself. But then we know. We have ideas of how they work and who they are. You're like, right. okay, all right. Uh, Ladadog, the CFO for the Clinton Library was found sans head in a local state park. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you don't question the death of, of someone involved with the Clintons, whether directly or indirectly, you're, you're missing the point here. Again, that does not mean that everyone is related to some nefarious activity, but... It's it's something worth looking into and discussing for sure. But we're not done with Hillary today. So Murder Granny and, and Mika um, decided that they were going to hold a symposium for National International Women's Day in the United Arab, Arab Emirates. Because w- when I think of women's rights, I don't know about you, Disco, I automatically think of the Middle East, right? That's where yeah, you go 110%. to. 110%. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, why not? Why not? Why not go there? You know, maybe you should have done it in Saudi or somewhere, but... But here's what Hillary believes is the biggest challenge facing women, particularly in Ukraine. Take a listen. 
Finally, I'm so glad that Elena Zelenska is here because women are... <clears throat> Women and, and children are the primary victims of conflict and of climate change, and there is no place that unfortunately, tragically shows us that more dramatically than Ukraine today, but there are a lot of other conflicts, a lot of other uh, challenges that we have to uh, take into account as we look at gender apartheid in Afghanistan, uh, the persecution and oppression of girls and women exercising their freedom of choice in Iran and so many other places. Okay, so you heard it correctly. You heard it correctly. Murder Granny believes that climate change is the biggest threat to women in Ukraine. Did everyone take note of that? Did you mark that down? It's not the bombings or the rocket attacks or the small arms fire. It's none of that. It's the fact that Ukraine had an unreasonably warm winter. That's the greatest threat they're facing. I mean, these elitist pork-faced bitches have the ability to view the world from their ivory towers and rely on their own luxury you know, beliefs as to how the world actually works or how it should be. Not how it works, how it should be, I should say. But none of their opinions are based in reality. And you have to remember with people like her that in Hillary, that is, not, not Mika, but Mika's got her own problems, that Hillary and Bill, who are business partners, not marriage partners, get into politics because they want to live the lifestyle of ultra-wealthy you know, luxury, and, and they do so without talent, skills, or ethics. The, the best way to achieve that, if you want to 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 whine and moan i love tommy saying all we do is bitch and moan okay sure glad you're here bro um but if if you want that lifestyle of of this ultra wealthy kind of elite stuff the best way to achieve that and this is this i'll, I'll give this tip for free become a politician become a politician because not one of these split-tailed quizlings has any clue what it's like to be a middle-class mom with school-age kids a middle-aged, a middle-class mom, probably middle-aged too, who's struggling to live the American dream, being thwarted at every turn by pol policies passed by the enemy class to destroy the lives of hardworking Americans. They don't get it at all. Hillary's totally glossing over the point that war is taking a toll on women and children, and that well, it's going to continue. It's going to create widows. It's going to create orphans. As long as this conflict in in, in Ukraine goes on. But it's people like Hillary, who even though she's not in office, are directly responsible for the deaths of innocent women and children in Ukraine because they're not supporting any path to peace, any, any pathway or off-ramp to peace whatsoever. Every Russian missile that lands in an apartment complex, complex where civilians are, it lays at the feet of Putin, sure, of course, but it also lays at the feet of permanent Washington, which Hillary is a card-carrying member. These, the, the enemy class, these people are incapable, incapable of sympathy for the, the death of innocent people. They see the deaths of innocent people as, as props, as tools in their narrative, in this game that they're playing. If you're not in their club, they have no feelings towards you as a human being. That's just how it works, time and time again. They're devoid of sympathy because they don't look at people as individual human beings. That's just not how they see things. They look at them like they're objects. They look at you. They look at me like we're objects. And that's why it's easy for the enemy class to go to places like Epstein Island, have sex with children, because they don't look at them as human beings. They look at them as objects. Objects that, that can be used as tools to make them feel good. It's the exact same way the enemy class looks at wartime casualties. They're not human beings, you guys. They're objects. All right, let's, uh, let's get to question of the day. Let's lighten things up a little bit. Well, maybe. Let's get to question of the day, though, and then we'll move on with the show. The question of the day today, who is, we've talked about both of these two a lot in the show, who is the worst wife out of these two, Jill Biden or Giselle Fetterman? Both of them 
Both of them are sick human beings for what they're doing to their spouses for their own benefit. But who is the worst wife, Jill Biden or Giselle Fetterman? We'll get to your responses. We'll also get to this Marine who testified. Says he was told not to fire on a Kabul suicide bomber. Things are about to get frosty. Stick around. Let's get to the question of the day and your responses. The question is, who's the worst wife, Jill Biden or Giselle Fetterman? You, you could easily say both. They're both horrible people for what they're doing right now. Matilda says they've sold their souls. June says Biden. God bless America. Tight race. Shelby Kelly coming in with Jill. Carol Davis, Jill. I vote for babysitter Jill, says Latta Dog. Shirley says Jill, at least the other, took the children with her, meaning to Canada, when she fled the country. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. We've got Jill, says Barb. We've got Giselle. Um, well, hold on. Barb, Barb, Barb's given two answers. She's, she's going back and forth. Debbie says Jill. Ka Kathy says Jill because she had, uh, had been, has been pulling Dementia Joe around for many more years, but equally immoral. Jill Biden, she should be charged with elderly abuse, says D. Donner. Mudcat, Jill. M. Barda, 57, Jill. Giselle's number two, and that's a tough one. <laughs> Stu, and I'm tired of the double negative questions. There's no right answer. I know, I know. We, we're challenging you. We're making it tough on purpose. Giselle Fetterman, says Judy. Giselle, or um, Jill's number one. Giselle's number two, says one of our other Debs. Paladin 06, says Jill. Okay. So we've got a lot of we got a lot more Jills. Christopher says Jill. Mary Lou says Jill. Lisa says Jill. Jane. Is it possible to be any worse than they both are? They're both looking out for themselves after they manage to discount discard their spouses. Then they will get attention for all they all they lose, blah. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Disco, who are you going with? You know, I thinking taking some time to think about this one, because you know what, Jill. Jill's been a part of the machine out in Washington for a long time, so I would expect nothing less than what she's doing now with like the elderly abuse. Like you should not be putting your husband through something like this if he's mentally not there. But she's—they've been a part of that machine for a long time, so I get it. I get it. I can see why she was pushing for it because she wants to be the first lady. I get right. it. Giselle, on the other hand, they're fairly new to politics. Hey, your husband's uh, in the hospital. All right, you know, let's leave, kids. No, he needs to have his wife and kids around him, and the uh, the support circle needs to be there in this time of medical and, need. And she pushed him to continue running as a after having a stroke stroke patient. Yeah. So, like, I, to me, I I, I think she kind of takes takes the first place seat in my in my mind, just because it's like, you know, they're green. They're new to this whole situation. They do want to have power. That's obvious. She wants to have some type of power because she was pushing her husband for this. Right. And I, I you know, okay, but it's still something like she should be there for him, not deuces. I'm out. Yeah. You know, that's that's just me. Yeah. It's. A, I mean, obviously, it's a tough question. It's a tough question on purpose. By the way, Jill says never heard my name so much in one hour. Yes, I, we're we're saying saying your name. I I I tend to agree with you though, Disco. I look. 
the impact of Jill and her peddling around her dementia-ridden husband is has been felt more on the American people today as it pertains to right now in the past two years. Uh, but at least, at least I, I kind of understand her mindset. I, I don't agree with her mindset, but I kind of understand her mindset of I get to be, as you said, the first lady of the United States of America. I'm okay with our family looking like trash because I get to have that power, even if it's only for four years or even if it ends up being less for some reason, as, a, as opposed to Fetterman, who is literally the dumbest candidate, even before his stroke, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. The most classless dude I've ever seen, who then had a stroke and was literally damn near brain dead. And she, Giselle, his wife, and the, the Democrat party were like, nope, we're going to stick with this. You're our guy. You're our guy. And, and again, shame on the people of Pennsylvania because you voted him in. And I, I know that there was some, some other stuff that goes along with that, too, which we're not going to dive into right now. But, but that's like next level. Like, honey, do you even know who I am? Can, you know, could you eat applesauce right now if you put all of your energy and effort into it? And the answer was no to both. And they're like, he's our guy. Like, that's, that's next level sick and, and even, twisted. And even at this point, if they were to hold a special election because he's unfit to serve and all that stuff, and let's just say Oz were to try to run again for it, and they were to put a bucket of mud with a stick in it that represents the Democrat Party, I bet you the stick in the mud would win. Because yeah. the stick in the mud already won. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it's already happened, people. And, you know, and it's like, it's like well, it's obviously rigged. Right. It's obviously bought and paid for because... It doesn't matter. We we talked about it yesterday. We talked about it before. An actual dead guy won, and right. they were like, "Oh, we he you know ballot mail-in ballots were already sent in, and we didn't want to take him off the uh, the ballot, you know, for the family's sake." He was dead for like four months. Right. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like he died that week. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, it was like four or five months before. I think it would have been like, "Hey, resend in your mail-in ballots," that you know, or something. I don't know, but still, that would have been weird. Because they're going to be like, oh, there's double double voted, uh, double counted ballots. But that's already happening, people. It's already happening. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. But you know what's worse? Let's get into something that's worse. Something that's much worse in, in my opinion. That's all bad. We're, look, we're, we're, we're in a bad state in our country. There's no two ways about it. We talk about it every day. I wish it wasn't the case. I don't like talking about it. But it's, it's where we are. No enemies. Good to see you, my friend. But in August of 2021... Like the rest of you, I was to say I was pissed. I, I went to a dark. I, I went back into therapy after this. After after what happened in in Afghanistan, we were all beyond upset, as we all should have been then, and we should be still now. By the way, about Joe Biden and his gang of communist fools were withdrawing out of Afghanistan. It was, and it is personal for me. Remains personal for me. Today's a, a, a great example of how it remains personal. But, I mean, literally, I spent most of my adult life in that country. Way too many. Deployed well over 30 times to that country to do God's work. Lost friends in that country. Put everything on the line. Left my family to, to be in that country. Typically between six to nine months a year. Lost part of myself in that country. And the whole terrible exercise... Of Joe Biden's withdrawal, that is. Not, not my time there. That was great. Was given a bloody explanation point by a suicide bomber who clacked off killing 13 service members and 178 Afghans. And this week on the Hill, you had former Marine Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews, who testified in front of a congressional committee yesterday about the day of the blast. And I will tell you this, guys, right now. Get your blood pressure meds together if you haven't seen this. Get your tissues together if you haven't seen this. Maybe get a beverage if you haven't seen this yet because you're going to need all of them. Here's what he had to say. On August 22nd, an improvised explosive device IED probe took place down the canal running along the perimeter of Hkaya. This was ISIS or the Taliban performing an IED test run. We reported this to our chain of command. Days later, we received word to be on the lookout for two vehicle-borne IEDs described as a gold or white Corolla and a green Mazda convertible. Around 2 a.m. on August 26th, Intel guys confirmed the suicide bomber in the vicinity of and nearing Abbey Gate. Described as clean-shaven, brown-dressed, black vest, and traveling with an older companion. I asked the Intel guys why he wasn't apprehended sooner since we had a full description. I was told the asset could not be compromised. 
Throughout the entirety of the day on August 26, 2021, he disseminated the suicide bomber information to ground forces at Abbey Gate. He was spotted somewhere from noon to 1 p.m. by myself, then Sergeant Charles Schilling, and another. The anomaly in the crowd, who was clean-shaven and fit the description exactly, traveling with an older gentleman. The individual was consistently and nervously looking up at our position through the crowd. The older of the two wore a black silky hijab that was covering his face most of the time. They both had obvious mannerisms that go along with who we believed him to be. They handed out small cards to the crowd periodically, and the older man sat calmly and seemingly coached the bomber. Over the communication network, we passed that there was a potential threat and an IED attack imminent. This was as serious as it could get. I requested engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men. We reassured him of ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Eventually, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. We made everyone on the ground aware. Operations had briefly halted, but then started again. Plain and simple, we were ignored. Our expertise was disregarded. No one was held accountable for our safety. About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor. came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. We found the interpreter and his brother born with American passports. They told us five told us of five family members still in the canal. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. A crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. <clears throat> Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood. I crawled backwards seven feet, roughly seven feet because I thought I was still in harm's way. My body was overwhelmed from the trauma of the blast. My abdomen had been ripped open. Every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. <coughs> I tried to get up but could not. Laying there for a few minutes, I started to lose consciousness. When I heard Chaz, my team leader, screaming my name as he ran to me, his voice, <coughs> his voice calling to me kept me awake. When he got to me, he dragged me to safety and immediately started triaging me, tying tourniquets on my limbs and doing anything he could to stop the bleeding and start plugging wounds with the help of the other Marines. I was awake through most of it, screaming, moaning, and cursing. Please ask, uh, <clears throat> I ask you to please ask me about getting shot at the tower in Abbey Gate and how no one wanted my report post-blast. Even NCIS and the FBI failed to interview me. Asked me to elaborate on my ordeal post-blast and asked me about this one little girl and her family that I reunited. Our military members and veterans deserve our best because that is what we give to America. The withdrawal... <clears throat> The withdrawal was a catastrophe, in my opinion, and there was an ex inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, <coughs> and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. All right. So I'm going to try and keep my shit together for this. Um, I've already talked about it once today on foreign and domestic, which helps me, um, albeit just a little. But you had... Sergeant Vargas Andrews and his spotter identified the target that they were briefed on. You had intel make their way down there 
to their position, confirm the target visually. And then you had Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews, who had the opportunity, the best opportunity, the only opportunity you could say. To smoke the guy. To, to take care of the threat, right? But unfortunately, when you get politicians involved with war, with fighting, with, with these types of environments, everything goes to shit. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've, I've been a part of it. He radioed, as he said, to his battalion commander, letting him know, hey, we've got this target acquired. We're good to go. We've got him in our sights. Can I get the green light from somebody, anybody, to do what needs to be done here, to take out the target? And he wouldn't give him the answer. What did he say? He said it. I don't know. Who, 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 who can give us the authority to do this, to save Afghan and, and American lives? I don't know. You guys, I don't know is not an answer. That's not an answer. As a military commander, one of your primary jobs, your, frankly, your primary job, is to protect those under your command against any threat. Yes, you're doing the mission, but you're protecting your people. This battalion commander's inaction cost the lives of 13 American service members. 178 Afghans, way more injured than that. And you know why? Because leadership in our, our, our military community, our intelligence community, is plump full of a bunch of pussies who care way more about their career than they do the mission. They don't even get the mission in so many cases. They always put their careers over the mission and the lives of their, of, their, of their subordinates, which is the exact opposite of what they're supposed to do. And, and what kills me about this, you watch this particular testimony here. He's not just responsible for the deaths of 13 service members and, and many more injured. He's not just responsible for the deaths of 178 Afghans, you destroyed this man's life. You destroyed one of my people's lives. Because if you go and you fight for this country, you're one of my people, I'll die for you every day of the week. I'll, I'll, I'll live with you, I'll cry with you, I'll die, I'll, any of it. And you destroyed, I mean, the, the amount of emotional and physical, but, but particularly emotional stress and struggles that Sergeant Vargas Andrews is going to face for the rest of his life. That's on you, motherfucker. That's all on you. Whoever you are, I'm livid right now. Battalion commander, I watched this video today. I've watched it multiple times today. But you know what? I I'm going to sleep with a smile tonight. The one silver lining of this is when you, whoever you are, reach the pearly gates for judgment. <laughs> Chesty Puller, he's going to be there waiting. He's going to be there waiting. He's going to bitch slap you into eternity where you belong. This is on you. And it breaks my heart that we've got men and women who choose to fight for this country. Who are constantly put down when they're trying to do the right thing. And as a result, we get stuff like this result that's taken people from, from, this, from this earth, taken people from their families and their parents, who should never, ever have to bury their sons and daughters ahead of them, are having to do that. The parents who are having to deal with the trauma of the people who were there but survived it. Tyler Vargas Andrews in particular. It's ridiculous. We've got more to discuss, but once again, fuck you, Battalion Commander. These brave men and women, their deaths are on you and the pussies above you.
All right, let's try and get through this last part here, huh? Um, sorry. Huh. I, I put a lot into that country, and this stuff just kills me. But let's move on, because we got other stuff to talk about. <clears throat> so, for the last few weeks, the corporate media and left-wing lunatics have been talking about claiming that Ron DeSantis is banning books in public schools in Florida, which is, which is ridiculous. And I'm glad we've got a clip here, because it'll give me a second to pull myself together. But <clears throat> Shelby, I'm fine. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate all, all of your concerns. But DeSantis stepped up and addressed these fictitious allegations that he was banning all sorts of books from libraries in Florida public schools, here's what he had to say. Thing is, is that's a false narrative in service of using our schools uh, for indoctrination rather than education. And we've drawn a very firm line in the sand in Florida about that. Uh, we believe in, in strong, rigorous education. We believe in the rights of parents to be involved in the education of their children and therefore have enacted curriculum transparency legislation so that the parents know what, what books are being used in the classroom, uh, what books do their, do their kids uh, have access to, and then they have procedures where they can say, wait a minute, you know, some of the stuff you saw up there, uh, that is pornographic. Why would we have that in a media center with 10-year-old students? It's just wrong. And a lot of parents now have been empowered uh, to make sure that these are appropriate environments. I mean, I'm six, we have six, four, and two-year-old at home. I just think parents, when they're sending their kids to school, uh, they should not have to worry about this garbage being in the schools. They should just know that you're going to get a good education. We're going to do, do well to, to really do the basics and, and, and have our kids succeed. That's what they want. They don't want the garbage. And the idea that that's even in there is inappropriate for these young kids. But they are using your tax dollars to put that in. How is that an appropriate use of taxpayer dollars uh, to put that in? So what you've seen is a lot of uh, false narratives put out. Uh, and I think, though, there is a concerted effort to, to bring some of this sexualization into the classroom, particularly in these young grades. I mean, we did do parents' rights and education bill, as I think as many of you know. Uh, but even when you're talking about 12, 13-year-olds, to see some of that stuff in there, uh, I think most parents would say, absolutely not. You know, parents can have those discussions when they think it's appropriate uh, w with their kid, but to have that is, is wrong. And we've been very clear about All right, so let me put this in, um, in terms for all of you trolls who had the patience to listen to this entire show. And kudos to you, by the way, uh, for sticking around. But I'll put it in terms that you can understand. Governor DeSantis, who you just saw and, and just listened to there, he doesn't think it's appropriate to have books that contain pornographic materials inside public school libraries, period, end of story. That's what he's talking about. And I know this really aggravates the left because they enjoy sexualizing children. But if you, I mean, if you believe that books containing graphic, we almost showed a video today. We didn't, one, because it got taken down from where it was, and two, because we didn't want to because of how graphic it is. We've shown snippets of it before. But books containing graphic, graphic sexual content that is just off the charts, we believe that it's, it's absolutely out of this world. It's, 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 it's crazy, to say the least. But if you, which a lot of you do on the left, believe that it's okay, it's appropriate for children to have this stuff, then you know what? As we, as we talk about a lot in this show, we have nothing to discuss. There's, there's absolutely zero for us to discuss. I don't want to talk to you. There's no baseline for compromise, if that's your belief. It, it, we've gotten to the point where we've gotten to the point where you 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 can't define on your side. We're we're well aware of what it is. You can't define what a woman is or or a man for that matter. And you're defending ardently. Kudos to your passion, I guess, but you're defending people learning about pornographic stuff 
at young ages, ripe ages in our schools. It's it's sickening. I don't I literally don't want to be anywhere near you and you damn sure better not come anywhere near my kids. We are not the same. We're not even living on the same fucking planet if that's what you're thinking. Uh, the the last time I took my kids to the park, you know, like uh, you know, just down the down the road, it's by the school. It was after school, there was a few parents and kids like, "Oh, so what grade are your kids in?" And I was like, "Oh, well, it's first, you know, second and in kindergarten, oh, like, what, what, who's their teacher? Oh, I, my wife and I, we teach. Why do you do that? Because <laughs> I don't agree with um, the fact that the school that's right down the road forces kids to go to gender changing parties um, and, and to accept that. Because, well, why? Because I don't agree with that. I, like, right. my, my kids don't need to, to understand what that is at this age. Well, why? And then I even brought up the whole book thing. Like, there should be no books teach. Well, why do you feel that way? Well, because it's not right. And they go, kids, let's go. And they like take the kids. And they leave both, the yeah. Park. How dare was, you, uh, Disco, not want your kids learning about sucking you know, dick at age it, it, seven? I apologize <laughs> for how gross that is, but literally, there's graphic images of that. There's graphic images of the the worst porn that you could ever search up on the internet is damn near what's in these books, visualized. Yeah. No, and, and it, it, it was like, illustrated, you know, I should say. And my my kids are like, why are, why are my friends leaving? Because every every kid they meet they call them their friends because that's what we've taught them like hey you get to meet them all that stuff like well why are my friends leaving and i was just like you know i don't know why yeah. like i like it's not that yeah. i was trying to like hide them from like well this is what's going on. i was like i don't know why because i i feel like what i'm saying to this mom is a is something that every parent should feel about their kids and what they're being taught at the certain age and if they can't get behind that i'm sorry like you, you are so twisted up here that I, I'm, I'm glad that you walked away because you don't need. I can't. I'm not going to hold any conversation with you about anything, even the weather. Yeah, because it, <laughs> no, it's exactly. not going to matter. Well, right, because <laughs> they've got some weird ass theory on that. Barb says, "Say goodbye to YouTube, Drew." Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they've been whatever. I mean, uh, but I mean, have you noticed too? By the way, with all this stuff, that it's only white leftists that are full speed ahead with turning kids into sex objects. Like that's just, that's like the culture we live in. That's, that's what they're, that's what they're doing. I haven't seen one black or Latino parent speaking in favor of keeping these books in the library. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but at, at scale, that's not happening. And I find it amusing that the kids who want to use kids, your kids included as young as six year olds to be exposed to sexual content that, that should be, reserved for adult websites are the same ones that believe that an 18 year old is too young to buy a gun. That's, that's the, that's the, that's just the weird space that we live in right now in this world. You know, Chad said it good the other day. He said, if this is the, th if we're saying that these kids are old enough to see these images or learn about these things or make the decisions about their body, then these, these kids too in elementary school, they should be allowed to vote then. <laughs> right, they should do it. Well, he was being well, stop it though, because you know yeah. they'll start pushing that. Like oh, kids no, in kindergarten should be able to vote <laughs> in presidential elections. Yeah, uh, and, 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 of course. Yeah, they're going to be pushing for that. But but he's but he's absolutely he was like, he's being sarcastic. But he's right about it because he's like if if they're uh, old enough <laughs> to make to see these things, then they should be they should be allowed to vote. They should be able to drive cars at that age. It's fine. They'll be yeah. good. <laughs> no, no. Well, I know I, it goes without saying here guys but like you know i'm a parent i'm a parent to an army of four this goes to parent a lot of you are parents whether your kids are young or grown it doesn't matter but if we have our own kids if you have stepkids if you foster kids if you're involved in a kid's life or it's your grandchildren or a combination therein of of, of all of the above we have to hold our ground you guys we cannot compromise on this stuff at all not even one iota when it comes to the democrats and their views of the world and our children and our communities all that stuff we have to stop sexualizing children period end of stop there's there's no discussion it's spiritually wrong it's repugnant it's it's against who we are even even for those who aren't you know spiritual in, in any in any way shape or form everyone is taught to have some baseline of values for the most part and we're just going so far against it right now and one day we're gonna have to answer for how we reacted to this abomination of humanity 
and there's 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 literally there's only one choice. There's only one choice, and that comes with zero compromises, absolutely zero. Okay, this it's has cool. been a fun-filled hour of just, emotion. Just, just one more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Remember that one Project Veritas clip that we showed where it was like the guy who makes the curriculum is like, oh, we have the the CRT, you know, in, in all of Georgia. You know, like he's the one who wrote the curriculum. Those are the people who th there's a special place in hell for them. Not just the CRT stuff, but the people who are pushing this is the curriculum that's okay to be teaching our kids. There's a yeah. certain there's a there's seven rings in hell for a reason. <laughs> and and the the further you go down, the worse they get. And they're going to be right up there with the people who are actually sexually molesting kids. I'm 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 sorry. Uh, God, God bless America. Said why you know why does law enforcement spend so much time hunting child predators if our schools are molesting our children's minds? It's it's up there. It's at the same level uh, yeah. in my book. It's what it is. And I know in the Bible it says a sin is a sin, but this is a bit. This is a this is. This is way worse. No, this, this is, is this. It, it really. I mean, again, I, it, it, yes, I agree. On a human level, that is. They need some turbulence to go. <laughs> this Barbie. <yeah. laughs> Get all oh. the uh, pedophiles some extreme turbulence, shall we? Come on, um, the, come on the the Clinton private jet. Uh, we have a <laughs> the new turbulence mode that uh, will help you. Oh man! Should we have some fun or try to have some fun here? Should we let it up a little bit? No, we're gonna do it in booze and banter. We're gonna do it in oh, booze and banter. Right. We're gonna bring. So here's here's what's going on in booze and banter, folks. Okay, I'm gonna try not to cry in booze and banter. That'll be step one. Okay, I can't promise anything, but we're gonna talk COVID. Jim Jordan grilled, just grilled Dr. Fauci. It was great. So we're gonna share that clip. We're gonna talk about it because COVID's not safe on YouTube. Um, so we'll talk about that. You also had Christopher Ray, who's the director of the FBI, who none of us are really a fan of, right? But he confirmed that they knew that it came from a lab as recent as 2021, probably, again, probably sooner than that, or, or before that, rather. So we're going to talk about that. Redfield went into stuff. We've got some other clips. And we're also going to do, which we need, we all need some lightheartedness after today's episode. So we're going to do That's Meme-tastic. That's all over at Booze and Banter, which is on Red Voice Media. Go to redvoicemedia.com forward slash subscribe or forward slash Drew Crew or use promo code Drew Crew. The link's in the chat. Just get there. Bring a drink. Let's go have some fun and end this week right. We'll see you there. If you can't, be safe. Be smart. Be free. You've just heard Drew Berquist. Catch the show weekdays on every major social media platform and on drewberquist.com.